0: I know I promised to talk about how to build a magic system, but there's a lot of things that come into play before we get there. One of the most important ones we've talked about already, and that's why do you want magic? But now we need to talk about the type of story that you're wanting to write. What style of fiction are you wanting to explore? Because magic? Yeah, it's not just for fantasy. And even if it is, there's different kinds of fantasy. So let's talk about style of fiction on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello and welcome. My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorsett. And uh, today we're going to be talking about fantasy genres and non-fantasy genres and things that make magic worth having in your stories. Because I, I have to say, it gets really frustrating when people try to limit fantasy just I'm sorry limit magic just to fantasy because it's in so many more genres and I'm not going to be able to cover all of them in here because some of them are rabbit holes that I will run down and just do entire episodes on if I'm not careful So be warned. If you do want some of that, I can do that. So I'm not going to be talking about Wu Sha, which is w- um, W-U-X-I-A. definitely look that up. That's martial arts fiction out of China. I'm not going to be talking about that, and I'm not going to be talking about the way magic is inflected in anime and a lot of Japanese culture. But I am going to be talking about some of the things that you may be considering when you're doing your stories, because even if you are not doing a traditional fantasy story, there still may be space for magic within your setting and within your world. Magic is a spice. It is a seasoning. It is something that can be added, sprinkled into a world to make it be more than it was before. There are a lot of ways that magic can be inflected into a setting. But most people, when they think about it, think about witches and wizards and things of that nature. That is not what magic is for. That is is not what you should be doing when you're thinking about magic. Unless, of course, that's what you're doing. Vampires are magic. Lovecraft is magic. The Force is magic. The martial arts that you find in Wuxia stories is magic, and yes, spellcasting is magic. And in fact, I would say that Star Trek is magic because it follows into the Asimov's law that any sufficiently advanced technology... Is indistinguishable from magic because that's their excuse for having Q and some of the other uh, Greek gods and the Squire of Gothos and other things appear that they're just more evolved, more technologically advanced, and thus they can produce the effects of magic or their abilities appear to be magic. They're magic for all intents and purposes, if you were going to be writing anything like that, you should be thinking about them as magic and you should be constructing magic systems for yourself so that one, you can avoid power creep and two, you can figure out exactly how you want them to be iterated into your world. Because once you start doing super technology like you would in sci-fi, if you don't think about it as a magic system and what rules you are going to apply to it to allow for those amazing technological effects power creep will sneak up on you and it will take over your stories and do terrible terrible things but it's not just for sci-fi and it's not just for fantasy we are going to be talking about fabulism we're going to be talking about mystic fiction we're going to be talking about low fantasy and high fantasy all of that because you need to know you need to know So the first thing that we're going to talk about is a controversial subject, and it's not controversial because of what it is, it's because of a lot of the conversation that goes along with it. And that's magic realism. Magic realism, or fabulism, as I'm going to be referring to it more often during this, is a style of writing fiction in which magic is just an assumed part of the world. It is not a big thing. It is merely there. It is often used either as a cultural artifact or it is included as a way to metaphorically show various aspects of the world in a concrete way. Now, the reason I say that this is controversial is because the term magic realism and the genre itself emerged in the Latinx countries of South America and Central America. And thus, many of the stories in this genre are about anti-colonialism and so with a lot of other people coming in and taking over the genre and starting to appropriate the genre that are not from those, from those cultures, it feels a bit dirty because, you know, an anti-colonialist genre is being colonized by the people that did the colonization that the anti-colonization fiction is about. So For the most part, when we talk about this being written by non-Latinx writers, we refer to it as fabulism or by some other name. So what exactly is it, and how does it work? Okay, so think of this more as a style than a genre, especially in the way that we're talking about it right now, because magic realism or fabulism or marvelous realism is a descriptive term to to describe a world in which magic is just a natural component of it. Angels may be present. There may be entire worlds in a droplet of water, for example. Just There could be spirits that are living in the house. And so all of these things together make for a very interesting world. But the subject matter of these stories is generally, and I hate using this because of the elitist tone of the word itself, but a lot of these stories are more of the literary variety where they are more slice of life stories or stories that would fit more in a literary genre, but that contain these fabulous elements. Thus why, stories that are written by non-Latinx writers are generally called fabulists or fabulism because you are not you... you. Anyway, so one of the biggest confusions that comes into place here is that fabulism can also be used to refer to stories that are fable-like and not all stories in this genre or in this style are fable-like though it can easily be used to write a fable or a similar type story. So why would you want to employ fabulism or magic realism into your world? Maybe you are wanting to tell a story that is more slice of life, but you would like it to have much more resonance. So instead of allowing the magic to be a separate distinct thing that is odd in and of itself, You want it to be metaphorical of what's going on. Imagine someone who is dirty, who is problematic, who is hurtful. That everywhere that they go, they leave smudges and ash and ruin just by touching things. Allowing that metaphorical behavior to be realized within the story is a part of this. It is a way of breaking reality up. Now, this can go into full-on surrealism, if that is a thing that you want to do, or it could just be added as a flavor on top. This genre, if you are not familiar with it, is something that you may want to look into because it really goes to prove what I'm talking about when I'm saying that magic is a spice. It is something that is added. So you can look at work by Gabriel Garcia um, Marquez Isabel Allende, who is a personal favorite writer of mine, Um, Jorge Luis Borgia, uh, Miguel Engel. There, There are a lot of writers in this genre that do very interesting things with it. Definitely check it out. Read some stuff to see how this works, because... We are going to be talking about low fantasy in a minute, and magic realism or fabulism is not low fantasy. Those are two completely different genres and modes of writing, and you need to keep them separate in your own head so that you don't confuse them, because calling one by the other's name is not a good look on anyone. Mystic fiction is a cousin of fabulism, but it is a very different thing. So in mystic fiction or mystic fantasy or mystical fiction or mystical fantasy, depending on the person that you're talking to or the site that is allowing you to assign genres, is very much born out of visionary experiences. And sometimes it is even referred to as visionary fiction, in these kinds of stories, the magic that you're dealing with is very clearly divine magic that can either be put into the form of an actual god or goddess, a spirit, an angelic being, or devil of some form, and is often mediated through a mystic, a prophet, a medium, or the like. These kinds of stories are much more interested in the mystical aspects of this so if you go back to our episode that we did on mythology and we talked about the different modes of mythology these are stories that are dealing much more with the cosmological aspects or the pedagogical aspects of mythology than they are with any of the others they're generally not stories about the stages of life though i have read a few that kind of were but it doesn't work well in that mode because when you're dealing with visionary fiction and you're dealing with angels in this kind of mystical visionary language and dealing with the magic of healing and all of those aspects that come involved you really need to be careful not to either be become preachy because this is definitely different from say christian fiction or anything or any particular religious fiction though i'm not trying to say that you cannot have a religious bent to this kind of fiction it's just, it's not devotional fiction. It's not intended for devotional purposes, and it's not new age fiction in, and I'm really going to date myself by using this as an example, but in the manner of something like the Celestine prophecy, where it's trying to convey mystical knowledge to you via the story. And the interest in these types of four stories is the nature of the visionary experience and allowing them to completely be open and moving through the world and allowing that power to flow through the character into all of this. So when you're considering exactly how you want your visionary fiction to work or whether or not this is actually the style that you want to be working your fiction in kind of divorce it from the religious aspect. You really need to do that. The difference between mysticism, spirituality and religion is a topic that we could definitely delve into on one of these episodes if you want to. But to kind of make it brief, religious stories are primarily there for pedagogy. They're there to teach you the right world and the way that you should actually operate in the world. They're generally more focused on ethics and interpersonal relationships. Spirituality is much more about your relationship within And mysticism is about your relationship with the wider cosmos, basically speaking. When we're talking about mystic or visionary fiction, it is more about this relationship with the grander cosmos and the connections that you make with the wider world. So there are some really interesting green books that have been coming out in this vein where people are connecting to Mother Gaia so it does not have to be connected to a traditional religion it is all about that experience with the larger world so if that's the focus of your story maybe consider putting magic in it and making it much more a visionary type story so that it fits everything that you're wanting into one place now this may sound like i'm splitting hairs And I kind of am, but it is a very important distinction to make in what we're doing, because if it's a cultural story, we're talking about fabulism. If we're talking about the actual intimate relationship with the spiritual world, it is visionary fiction. So hopefully that helps you out, and hopefully that makes it a little bit clearer But for marketing purposes especially, you really need to know the difference. And if you're going to be looking into these genres to figure out which you may or may not want to write or which your story may or may not fit in, you definitely need to know the difference. Once upon a time, low fantasy was a very easy genre to talk about. And then She Who Shall Not Be Named did all of the things that She Who Shall Not Be Named has done, and uh, yeah, I just don't want to talk about that right now. But I guess we'll just say Narnia. Okay, so low fantasy is meh magic in a world that is either like our own or at least incorporates our own, but that the two worlds are separate. This can include either portal fantasy like we see in Narnia where they are transported magically to a magical land where magic is from a land where there is no magic or in a Wainscot or Polder society such as in Harry Potter, which I still love Harry Potter even though she sh- Who Shall Not Be Named is just the worst. Okay. So, low fantasy should not be confused for any of the above. In low fantasy, you are writing fantasy fiction. In other words, the fabulous elements should matter more to the story. See, I'm of the old school variety that fantasy fiction is fantasy fiction because the fantastical elements comprise the majority of what the story is about. That doesn't mean that they have to be exclusively about what the story is about. There can be romance, there can be mysteries, there can be all kinds of things put into a fantasy story, whether it's high fantasy or low fantasy. But, but, there must be a significant input from the fantastical elements, or just why did you write a fantasy in the first place? I feel the same thing about science fiction. If you're writing a sci-fi, then, you know, the sci-fi elements should play into the story in some way somehow or just why why did you do it if it's not an alternate history why so when you're de- de- asking yourself whether or not you are going to devise for yourself a, uh, something like a low fantasy story what you need to realize is the vast majority of the world has no idea that magic exists so that is criteria number one In all of the genres that we've talked about before, magic is presumed. It is just accepted. Like, it's just, it's generally not even commented on as being special. In low fantasy, you get a lot of the commentary on, wow, magic is weird. So, portal fantasy, I think, is self-explanatory as far as the genre goes. They go through a portal of some sort and end up somewhere else. See the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Okay? For a polder society, a polar society is hidden somewhere just out of view. Do not think Harry Potter. That is not Harry Potter. What we're talking about in a polar society is something much more akin to troll hunters, where magic exists, but the world is, while technically part of ours, it is Completely hidden from our world. In Harry Potter, what we have is a wainscot society, which means that they've literally hidden it within the walls. See, the magical world and the human world, the non magical world, coexist side by side, but magical implements have been put into place to keep people from noticing. So the three main forms that low fantasy takes, just to reiterate and hopefully simplify it, is say, same world but just not seen by mortals. Same world but somehow completely hidden from mortals or completely different world that can only be accessed via a portal of some kind. Why would you want to write this kind of fiction? Maybe you want to have a character that is very much a part of and product of our world, and you don't want to be thinking about the ramifications of magic coexisting throughout the centuries. It's a lot more world building when you have to account for, you know, what were dragons doing during the Second World War, especially if you want history to pan out the same way and you want your world to be somewhat believable. There are many reasons that you might want to write this kind of fiction. I would say the most prominent one is that you're writing children's fiction, and I hate to say it that way because it sounds really condescending, but this is this is Peter Pan. Magic is there. Most people don't believe in it. Then they go off to Never Never Land and all the magic. It also saves you when it comes to world building because you can just presume that everything else in history played out exactly the same way. And so you don't have to worry about it and how it actually affects things. So there you go. High fantasy, on the other hand, is full more magic. So your high fantasy generally takes place in a secondary world. And in, according to some definitions of high fantasy... It must take place in a secondary world. Even if you're writing alternate history where magic existed in our world, some people will still consider that low fantasy because the real world gets brought into it. So just bear that in mind when you're doing your thoughts. High fantasy is the hardest of the styles of magic to write because you need to build a world. You need to make a world from scratch, and it needs to be original to you in some way, shape, or form. It's not really good world building if you just go, It's like everything is based on Mount Olympus, and so we're calling the planet Olympus, and all of the characters gods, and everyone has a Greek name, and it's controlled by Zeus. Now there's a way to do that and have it be original and interesting and distinct, But it's going to take some convincing for your readers to buy into that world in a way that it wouldn't if you had just created new names. But do you? (laughs) Remember, everything that I'm talking about here is to be taken with a grain of salt. I'm just trying to explain these concepts for you in a way that hopefully makes sense and will help you in your fiction going forward. So... When you're developing magic or a magic system for a high fantasy, all of the things that we asked in the previous episode definitely comes into play here and needs to be used very directly in the world building. Once you know why you want the magic, build the world around that so that it can showcase the magic in the best possible way. Again, and I always say this because it is the creme de la creme of all magical worlds see avatar the last airbender once they realized the f- how they wanted to use the four elements of magic and how they wanted to mix in martial arts everything else in the world is built around those concepts and makes sense because that is the most important thing that you have to do going forward is make your magic system And your world make sense. Because if they don't, that's going to be a problem. So, what does it mean to make sense as a magic system? Well, first of all, this means that you are going to establish your own sense of internal logic. The story, then, will live according to that sense of internal logic. We, as human creatures, have a very good ability to just ignore incongruities that don't work with our world as long as they're self-consistent. So you have to keep that image of self-consistency in your tail for it to work. High fantasy is the easiest place and the hardest place to do this simultaneously. The reason I say that is in low fantasy or in any of the other styles and genres of fiction that we've talked about before this point, because you're bringing in real world elements, there's, there are more concrete things that can be picked up on and held onto by a reader that could take them out of the world. It could be something as simple as, well, that's not my experience of New York City. That could take them out and break the spell and they're no longer suspending their disbelief and buying the rest of your story. Internal consistency is the key. Telling a good lie. Making a perfect hoax. Remember, H.P. Lovecraft, one of the few things that you should quote him on, said that well-designed fiction should be pulled off as a cleverly devised hoax. And that's what you're doing with any secondary world world building. You're trying to make the pieces fit together so well that... It just makes sense, and your reader will accept it. In no way have I actually gone through an exhaustive list of all of the styles, and definitely not all of the genres, that we could talk about when we're doing this. But it's really important before you get started to figure these questions out. The questions we talked about in the last episode about why you want magic to exist in your world and this one, in what style, what flavor. Because once you know those things, going forward, we can develop either our hard or our soft magic system. And that is going to really depend on how we've answered all of the questions up to this point. Now, if I did not cover one of your favorite genres, I am sorry. And I did not do it out of some sense of malice or because I don't like it. There's actually a lot of stuff that I wanted to talk about in here that I just didn't have time for because I try to keep these episodes at around 30 minutes. So hopefully the umbrella terms that I have used are broad enough that you can see where your genre fits in that spectrum and get a sense of how you want it to feel when it is actually worked into an actual story. Because that's more what we're talking about here in this this style of genre, is we're talking about flavor. We're talking about mood, tone, setting, the feel of the world, the aesthetic of the world. A lot more than we're actually talking about the elements that go into the story. That's why I was very careful to talk about High fantasy rather than epic fantasy, even though those two terms are synonymous, because when you think of epic fantasy, you often think of an epic story with dark lords and great battles. High fantasy does not require those things, it just requires a secondary world. So, so hopefully, this has made things a lot clearer. I would really like, especially if you have any questions going forward on hard magic systems, soft magic systems, or anything dealing with magic, if you would let me know. Down in the show notes, you will find a link to the voice message system. Please keep it short and clean so I use it on the show. I would love to answer your questions. Also, if you have any other topics on world building you would like me to do, please let me know. This entire series that I'm going through right now on magic systems was brought about by a question by a listener who probably didn't think that I was going to be going on for as long as I have on this topic. But it is it, a big topic. So there's a lot I need to talk about here. So it may not be an episode. You may spark a series, but I could definitely go into it for you if you want. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you've been enjoying these. I've been having a lot of fun making them. If you have can help. Down in the show notes, you'll find a link to listener support, my Patreon and coffee for one-time donations. Thank you so so much to everyone who does that. You you really mean the world to me. I would not be able to do what I'm doing without your support because increasingly that's where I'm making most of my money and it is helping me to pay for the artwork and for the hosting and for all of the other things so I can get more content to you. So thank you so much. You make all of this possible. You are my heroes. And I, I, I've i always said this, and hopefully you feel the sincerity in my voice. If you don't have any money right now, please do not feel bad. It's okay. None of us do. It's, it's, it's hard times out there. But... If you have any friends that you think would like anything that I do, please share it with them. Getting discovered in this industry is the hardest part. So that helps out far more than you know. And I am grateful to everybody who shares this content as well. It does mean the world to me. Thank you so very, very, very much. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode. Um, I wish I didn't have to keep saying this, but... Uh, With events getting worse and worse as we slip further and further into the darkest timeline, remember, black lives matter, black trans lives matter. Trans identities are valid. And may you have the courage. Uh, I can't even, I'm sorry. Please be out there, be vocal. Don't forget to vote. Don't forget to make sure you're registered. We, We have to make this world a better place. And until next time. May you have the courage to ride your dreams into reality and don't forget to have the fun. Bye.